Iowa basketball is back. Today we take a look at the Iowa men, and I'm joined by former Iowa assistant coach Gary Close, who is back for another season of Iowa postgame with Coach Gary Close. We'll talk about the season ahead, the Big Ten as a whole, and what to expect from a very young but talented Hawkeye squad. All that coming up during week 229 of Brad's Branded Thoughts. This is from the Hawkeye of the Storm, our 2023-2024 Iowa men's basketball season preview show. But first, I want to tell you about Iowa Floor Covering, our sponsor for today's show. We appreciate Tyler, Ryan, and the guys down in Bondurant. Whatever your flooring needs are, whether it's tile, carpet, they've even got tile shower options for you. They can help you with whatever you need, and they're a supporter of this show. They're Hawkeye fans. So many reasons to support Iowa Floor Covering down in central Iowa. Check them out. Beautiful store in Bondurant. Visit iowafloorcovering.com. Again, that's iowafloorcovering.com for more information on your flooring options. Pleased to be joined by former Iowa assistant coach Gary Close back. Back in action here, year three on the show. Gary, it is a pleasure to be joined by you once again. How's the offseason been? And I'm assuming you're ready for college basketball with the cold temperatures back here in the Midwest. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a fun time of the year with it uh, getting kind of geared up. You look, look in the paper for some scores of exhibition games. And then, of course, the season starts, I believe, Monday is kind of the first official uh, day that they can start playing. So uh, it's here. So it'll be fun. I probably asked you this last year, Gary, what's this time of year like right now? Like, I mean, I know practice has been going for a long time. A lot of teams have had the secret scrimmage. They played an exhibition game or two in the case of like the Iowa women. But what's this like for the coaching staff? Is it a real nerve wracking time? Well, I think it's kind of similar with the players as the coaches. You're, you're, you're looking forward to playing somebody other than yourself and, and just kind of seeing where your team's at and what, you know, what areas need to be improved and, you know, the non-conference, you want to use it uh, to find out where you're weak so that when you, you get into the Big Ten Conference, you've, you're you not going to be surprised by things you're not very good at. So you want to you know, have a schedule that'll expose um, some of the things you're not very good at and get a good feel for your team before the, you know, before the real season starts. And, of course, we're here to talk Iowa. I'm also curious to get your take on the Big Ten in general. You've coached at a couple of different Big Ten schools, and um, – for anybody that doesn't know, you're still up in the Madison area, right? So sure uh, yep. you're, you're still well-connected with Big Ten uh, <laughs> basketball. And I'm curious to get your thoughts on Iowa. We got a little look at them on, uh, what was that, Monday against Quincy uh, University. First of all, I know nothing about Quincy. I didn't even bother to look up to see. Are they Division Two, Division Three? Do you even know? Uh, I would say Division Three, but I'm not exactly sure, okay. to tell you the truth. Yeah. And you told me before we started recording – you know, it's your typical early look at a team. Um, they did fall behind early. Iowa was down, I think, 10 early to Quincy. Um, some sloppy play, which, you know, that's to be expected to some extent. How do you read between the lines of a game like that in the preseason? You know, it's always different. You know, it's crazy when, you, when you, you've played against your own team. There's been no fans in the stands. All of a sudden, there's people there, there's officials, and it's just different. And so you're you're curious to see how – how people react, and especially a team that's has so much turnover that Iowa's had uh, to see how the younger guys react. So it's not surprising that at times you get off to a slow start and takes a little while to get things going. And um, so, uh, and that's kind of what happened to the game the other night. They started a little bit slow, but then, you know, found their rhythm halfway through the first half or so and, and you know, did, did a decent job the rest of the way. 
How do you as a former coach and as an Iowa fan now approach this season with the attrition that this program has faced in recent time with, of course, Keegan Murray. We're two years removed now from the Keegan Murray era ending, uh, what, three years removed from the Luca Garza era ending, and now Chris Murray is trying to make a name for himself in Portland. And we're going to get to kind of who potentially could be the guy for this team. Do they have a guy, so to speak? But what is your overall look at the roster like right now? Well, I think you gotta, you're gotta you going to have to have some patience. You know, they lost, you know, three really good players that uh, are experienced players that played a lot of basketball for them and were very effective players. And, and now they're trying to incorporate some, you know, some new players, some freshmen. And and so there, there's going to be some growing pains. Um, so I think I think generally speaking, I think you're going to have to be patient and just see how this is going to develop. It's not going to be a well-oiled machine by any stretch. Most teams aren't this early in the year, but um, hopefully their their trip to Europe will help speed that along a little bit. And um, so I'll be I'll be curious to see as the season gets started, you know, how quickly they can, you know, get to where they're where they're playing at, at a high efficiency. And as far as the roster is concerned, I heard somebody the other day following that game against Quincy just note how uh, promising that freshman class looked during a short spurt of time. In fact, that freshman class, you watched that game back against Quincy. The starters were kind of at fault in allowing them to fall behind. I think it was 15-5 early. And then Fran ends up going with a lineup for freshmen and a sophomore. I don't know that I've ever seen that at least at Iowa four true freshmen and a mm-hmm. true sophomore and Josh Dix actually kind of ignited that team and you know not to say that that's going to be a rotation look that we're going to see in the regular sure. season how much do you think this young freshman class will play this year given the fact that they do lose so much experience and they're you know they've shown you know spurts whether you're talking about Peyton Sanford Tony Perkins but they've also shown a lot of inconsistency yeah I, I think some of them have to I think mean, just from a number standpoint they just don't have the the uh, the depth from an experience standpoint with all that they've lost. So, um, and I think that's, you know, that's, that's going to be the interesting thing to watch is to see how these freshmen come along and who can handle it and who keeps improving. And then some will probably fall by the wayside just uh, because they're young and inexperienced and still, still trying to find themselves. So, but some of them are going to have to play and, and, uh, and that's where these games coming up are going to be really important to, see how they handle it and and um, how they react to, you know, college basketball. Who has an opportunity, if anybody, Gary, in your eyes, to be the guy? I mean, I think the easy way to look at this is, well, Tony Perkins is an upperclassman. He has shown flashes. flashes. He showed a few flashes on Monday in the mid-range. He showed some big flashes in that part of his offensive skill set last year in the Big Ten Conference. But again, he's been up and down has not proven yet. And here we are, what, year three for Tony Perkins. He's not proven yet to be able to consistently make three-point shots, which is so important to the game now. Peyton Sanford, on the other hand, has the size. There's more hype probably with him preseason, but he shot 34% from three, which is supposed to be his calling card, uh, shot that in 2022. Who's the guy this year for Iowa? I don't know. I mean, that's I mean, that's just being honest. I think the two that you mentioned are where you would start. Um and I think that's the beauty of of watching, especially early, is who who's going to emerge. And you've you've seen stories in all kinds of programs where you know kids come out of the woodwork, so to speak, and and really uh, really come on. And wh- whether that's going to happen with this team or not, I don't know. I think it's 
I think it's going to be more by committee, at least in the beginning. And not to say you can't win that way. You can. Um, but um, we're just going to have to sit back and kind of wait and see what happens. I think the two you mentioned are probably the two where you would start uh, because they've had the most experience. And and uh, But who knows? It, it could be somebody else. It's crazy how this game works sometimes. And, of course, one guy I didn't mention is Patrick McCaffrey. And the only reason I didn't mention Patrick is – he has had ups and downs with health. Of course, he sat out some time last year um, to, to kind of deal with some mental health uh, issues that he was facing. And, of course, boy, they could really use his length and athleticism. That's one comment that I also heard following the game from former Division One player. He made the comment that, look, you know, they don't really have a ton of athleticism now that the Murray Twins are gone. You know, who's the best athlete on the team? You know, is it a Tony Perkins? Maybe it's Patrick. Mm-hmm. Um you know, they they went big, and, and this can kind of lead us into what I kind of wanted to ask you about as it relates to recruiting. They did take more swings. I, it feels like we have this conversation every year, Gary, that Fran swings big, not only in the recruiting trail, but in the transfer portal, when after a couple more bigs with size, with athleticism, with rebounding prowess, um, a couple guys who were uh, known for their physicality inside, their ability to defend, shot block, and yet they end up with Ben Cricky, and no offense to Ben Cricky, he's a productive guy offensively at a low major Valparaiso school of program that's not been very good in recent time. He looked decent on two, on Monday against Quincy. But again, I just question, do they have enough rebounding, enough athleticism inside? Just your thoughts. I think it's a, I think it's a viable question. Um, I, I liked him. I thought he did okay for the first uh, for the first go around, he, he, he seems like he's got good hands. Got it looks like he's got some range to his shot. A pretty good passer. So, um, but you know, beyond that, I, I don't know. Uh, so it's it's. Uh, but I think there's a lot of programs like that that are looking for big guys that, and that's why they go after him hard because there just aren't that many. Uh, so um, time will tell. Uh, but I, I thought he did a pretty nice job for the for this. He reminded me a lot of Philip. And, and, and I won a lot of games with a guy like that. So um, we'll see. I mean, he's, he's, he's experienced. He's played a lot of college basketball. Uh, so I think he's got a chance to contribute. And Cricky uh, had 14 points on Monday, seven boards. Iowa did out-rebound Quincy 46-33. So I guess did what you need to do against a team that you absolutely should dominate on the glass every time, I would say. I was watching the game, Gary, and I'm thinking, okay, they're rebounding the ball well. Um, There were some examples of their guards crashing the glass, and I wanted to ask you specifically about that. I know some of this goes into how you're coaching defense and and how you uh, recover on a fast break, etc. If you're in a situation maybe where you don't have as much size and athleticism, Cricky is not known to be a great rebounder. Does Fran start emphasizing his guards crashing the glass more often, or is that something that is more matchup based? He might, um, you know, like you said, then you're on the risk of, of hurting your transition defense. Um, uh, I, I think where the rebounding becomes even more important is on the defensive end, because you just don't want to give up second and third shots. Then you have a tendency to get into foul trouble and things like that. So I think where that becomes real important um, and that's where they got to be fundamentally sound and, you know, good nose for the ball is, is where you can really get hurt is, is on the defensive boards. Offensively, if, you know, they get some, that's great, but it's on the defensive end where they've really got to work hard because that's that can really cost you some games. 
I'm going to ask you a question. You, I didn't. I'm going to blindside you here, Gary. Oh, no, no. I want you to. Year. I want you. <laughs> 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 we'll, we'll keep it. We'll keep it uh, as clean as possible. So, Patrick McCaffrey, give me what you think. Tell me what you think his career rebounding average is. And keep in mind, uh, he's entering year four. What do you think his career rebounding average per game is? Four and a half. Three point two. That is not good. Any way you slice it for a six foot eight athletic, when I understand his game's maybe not your typical, he's very unorthodox in a lot of things he does. But that's one thing I remember last year, several points in the season. You got to get better rebounding from a guy like Patrick. And again, one game, we're not, this is not a recap of Iowa versus Quincy, but Patrick McCaffrey, three rebounds in 23 minutes. You just got to get more out of him, don't you? I think so, and hopefully it, it will. I mean, he, he he spends a lot of time on the perimeter, and that's you know, right. that's not where you're going to get a lot of rebounds. So, um, and he's been on teams that have had guys that uh, you know are good inside rebounders for the most part. So he he really hasn't had to. But I agree. I think this year, you know, much like we've talked about, I think a lot of this stuff's going to be by committee, and you're going to need guys to you know pick up their their output to compensate for what what they've lost to graduation. And, of course, my biggest question as it relates to rebounding um, and obviously defense was uh, in the front court, or excuse me, in, in yes, in the front court, Ben Cricky, Patrick McCaffrey, um, et cetera. Evan Bronze didn't play a lot on Monday. He was a guy transferring from Belmont, was an Iowa City native. Uh, he had a, I know you look at, you read into the stats from Belmont, he had a better um, per 40 rebounding average, much better than Ben Cricky. He didn't play much on Monday. Uh, you know, is that a sign of things to come? We'll find out. Um, if he's not going to give you much on the offensive end, Fran's probably not going to play him, to be quite frank, just how Fran operates. So, Cricky's going to need to be physical. I was impressed. He drew seven fouls, Cricky, yeah, did on good. the offensive end. That's yeah. a good number. Well, they, they did a good job of getting the free throw. I think they shot 40 free throws or something. And, and so, and they should against a team like that. But that's – you know, that's showing good awareness in terms of, you know, not just settling for threes and trying to get more balanced uh, offensive attacks. So, yeah, he draw he draws seven means, you know, he's going to contact and doing some things to draw fouls, and that's a good sign. And seven boards. I thought I thought he yeah. rebounded well yeah. again. Probably in, what, 25 minutes or? 24, yep. 24, 46, so yep. It's a pretty good line. One turnover, two assists against seven boards on four, with 14 points for Ben Cricky. Um, was plus 15, is plus minus. I don't know. Do you care anything about the plus minus stat? A little bit. I mean, a little bit. So, you know, it's, it's take it in with everything else. But, you know, if you see it repeating time and time again, then, sure. it might, uh, then it might raise your eyebrows a little bit. He actually was plus 15 in this game, tied best in the on the team, tied only with freshman Laji Dembele, who didn't give them much as it relates to offense. Um, yeah, but he did chip in 14 minutes of play, had a couple of blocks and he is maybe their best athlete, not named Tony Perkins or Patrick. Um, I'm curious if you have, I know little glimpse of him and there's not a lot of tape out there, uh, from Lodgy Dembele. He's maybe the unsung true freshman on this team. Did you see any flashes on Monday that made well, you he think looked he athletic? I, ju I just don't know if he's skilled enough yeah. to get a lot of minutes, um, with the way they play, but you know, we'll have to wait and see. So the kid, the kid I liked was, was Sanford. I mean, that kid. Price. He, Price, Price yeah. Yeah. He, 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 he can shoot it. Uh, yes, he, he, can. he had no, no hesitation. I think he's got a chance to get 
some good minutes. He, he looked good. He's got size. Mm -hmm. He's got a quick release. Mm -hmm. If it's going in, that's what you want, right? I mean, like there's. Yeah, he, he shot it great. I mean, he, he was he did. not hesitant. And no. those babies were down. So he, he, he caught my eye. I think most people probably would have said this, but I know I went on the record a long time ago when this class was ultimately signed and uh, sealed. I said, you know, Price has probably got the best chance to get extended minutes because of his ability to hit the outside shot. And he does have that length. And, you know, they've been up and down from the three-point line in recent years. And you oh, wouldn't yeah. expect that from yeah. a Fran coach team. I'll say this, uh, Gary, as it relates to the guy, if they're not going to have the guy like a Tony Perkins or a Patrick or, or even a uh, Peyton Sanford, Peyton Sanford's got to knock down a lot of threes. I think Price, I think they need at least one of those freshmen to knock down a decent amount of threes probably would be price Sanford. And I still feel like you need one of those other guys, whether it's Tony Perkins or it's Patrick McCaffrey, could it be a DeSante Bowen, somebody to become above average from three. And that's maybe asking a lot, but isn't the three point shot too important not to have that type of consistency? Yeah, I think, we, and I think with their lack of size and, and potentially athleticism inside, they're, they're going to have to shoot well from three. I don't, I don't think there's any doubt. Um, and hopefully they can develop some of that stuff inside. But I think, especially in the early going, I think the three-point shooting is going to be it's going to be important. Curious what you think about Josh Dix. He was the one non-true freshman in the game for a good slice of that first half. Uh, didn't shoot much from behind the arc, but is known to be a good three-point shooter. Mm -hmm. Whether he plays more point or if he's more, you know, playing at the off-guard spot. Uh, just your thoughts about what a key cog he could be. I think he'll play a lot. I, I liked him. I, you know, I liked him last year. Um, he looked, I think he looked a little more comfortable with the ball. I thought he looked a little quicker with the ball. Um, they played a little bit off the ball uh, when they brought the other freshman in from, from Illinois. Uh, but I think he's, uh, I think he's a player that's going to be one of the first guys off the bench. I think he'll, I think he'll play a lot uh, and he could force him, force himself into the starting lineup. It wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me. I know there were some people, they were actually surprised he wasn't starting yeah, on yeah. Monday. Straight from the man cave, Kinnick under the kitchen. Authentic, original player artwork is being drawn up for Hawkeye fans everywhere. Locally made prints of stars wearing the black and gold from the past, present, and future. How about current Hawkeye superstars, Cooper DeGene and Tori Taylor? Legends of the past like Jack Campbell, Spencer Lee, and Tim Dwight. Plus future phenoms like Aaron Graves. There are so many options available. They make great gifts, and your purchase benefits the Hawkeye athletes wearing the black and gold. Visit Under the Kitchen on Facebook or at Under the Kitchen's new website. That's underthekitchen.square.site. Again, that's underthekitchen.square.site. Check out Under the Kitchen today and get your authentic, original Hawkeye print. Sounds like DeSante Bowen had a good summer. I was not real impressed with him. On Monday, but again, small sample size. Yeah. Um, he is a guy who's looking to score. And I, I again, uh, I saw a tweet from a former D1 player who brought up the fact that, hey, you know, Brock Harding might be the, the truest point guard on this team because, you know, for the most part, I don't know that Tony's a true point guard and Asante may be a one, but he is looking to score. In fact, Asante, stat line not great for him on Monday, six points. 
uh, three assists, four turnovers. Probably not what you want to see. And he was a four star coming in a year ago. You would think this is the this is the time. I, mean, I know it's just his second year, but didn't play a ton last year for a four star guard and a big get from out east. This year is going to be important for him as well. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, the four turnovers are something he's definitely got to cut down on. Um, that's where he's got to go back and, and look at you know where, where they came from and how can he, what can he do to you know, try to alleviate those because that'll that'll get you to bench pretty quick if you're turning a ball over a lot. And as it relates to uh, the final two guys we really haven't talked about, Brock Harding, Owen Freeman, those guys showed flashes as well. I think they're going to be yeah. really good here. I just question how integral can they be in year one? Well, you know, it's hard to tell how freshmen are going to react. I mean, it's it's uh, until they actually – you know, get a chance to to do it and prove it. It's it, it's it's a question mark, but I think both of them have uh, have some potential. So, um, I think that freshman class looks like it's got a chance to be pretty good. The big question is how how much can they improve and how quickly can they improve? Curious, to get your thoughts on the Big Ten, Gary. We don't often get to see, and I know you told me you didn't know it was on on Sunday. You're watching NFL football on Sundays anyway, so I even was, if you had <laughs> known it was on, you probably wouldn't have watched it. But I watched. Well, I would have. I would have watched. I, I'm, well, I'm surprised I didn't know that. Fabulous Big Ten Network games for late October. We had Illinois and Kansas. We had Michigan State and Tennessee. Really, both of those games were fabulous. Probably did wonders for Big Ten ratings on a, on a Sunday. Big mm-hmm. Ten Network ratings. So. Uh, those are two of my preseason top three teams, without question. Purdue being the third, although you mentioned that Purdue fell in an ex- in a, a, a preseason game as well. Indiana's probably my fourth or fifth team. Wisconsin's got to be in the mix as well. How do you see this conference shaping up? Well, I think right now, and I and I'm I, I don't know. To tell you the truth, I, I, I'm I'm gonna have to watch and see what's going on, and I really haven't analyzed. You know what what players are coming back what what players are lost I know a lot of a lot of teams lost some really good players and so uh and I don't know the freshman classes very well I know Michigan State's got some great freshmen and things like that but then again you never know how they're going to react to their first time playing college basketball I think Michigan State and Purdue probably are are right now the clear favorites and then there's a bunch like you mentioned a bunch behind them uh Illinois um you mentioned Indiana. Uh, some people have thrown in Maryland. I think Wisconsin's got a chance to be good. They got all five starters back. And whenever they have that many starters back, they're usually pretty good. And they've been raving about the kid they got in the portal at, from St. John's. So um, I think, uh, you know, I think they've got a chance to sneak up on some people with, with all that experience coming back. I mean, this day and age of college basketball, who has five starters back? I mean, that yeah. just doesn't happen. Uh, so but I think I think everybody's going to be chasing Purdue and Michigan State, and you know there'll be a surprise team, and then somebody else you know suffer an injury that could affect. So it's it's um, you know it's still wide open. But I think those two right now are, are clearly, and they're the only two that are really ranked, which surprised me. Illinois has got I think is ranked in one poll, but it's like twenty fifth. Um, so to have only two or three teams in the Big Ten ranked to begin the year, that's I'd like to know when the last time that happened. So. But that, you know, it's preseason. I mean, it's who knows? That'll change as the season goes on. But looks like it's there's a lot of teams behind those two that uh, where it's pretty wide open. Give me a dark horse team. I've got mine, by the way. 
Uh, I would I would say Wisconsin. Uh, that that's who I would say. I, I think with those five guys back, uh, I know they did not have a very good year last year, um, but with those five guys back, and and um, I think they've got a chance to for somebody that's not not ranked and and I don't know if I've seen any Big Ten polls. My my guess is they'll be sixth or seventh in a preseason poll, maybe maybe a little bit above that. I think. I don't know if they'll win the Big Ten, but I think they'll I think they'll have a much better year than they had last year. Let me give you a couple teams to to watch, not necessarily players to win the conference, but to watch for making potentially making a jump and exceeding expectations. One being Ohio State. Conceivably you get a healthy Zed Key. Sounds like he's trimmed down quite a bit, um, which may not help his game. And then uh, they also added Jameson Battle out of Minnesota. Uh, there's a, a cross conference transfer and a guy who can score. Dead. I don't he did. What's that? Say it again. You don't, don't like, like the cross, cross conference. No, I don't like that. They, they, they should put an end to that. But anyway, yeah, that'll help. Them. <laughs> <laughs> right. It will help them. James, I don't think Jamison Battle was maybe cut out to be the guy at Minnesota. No. But he's not going to necessarily have to be the guy at Ohio State. Could be a really nice complimentary player for the Buckeyes. And then always with And I don't know why, but I, I'll be well, I'll be curious to see. Uh, See how they do. They, they always seem to lack chemistry or something. There's something not quite right there that um, they don't quite get it done. But maybe this will be their year. Maybe since that motto walked away. Maybe. No. <laughs> and I, I got a lot of respect for Chris Holtman. It's not, I mean, I think he's a sounds like a good guy and a, and a good coach. But um, Thad was also a good coach, maybe a little underappreciated. Uh, sure. Nebraska. I'm, I'm just curious, Fred uh, Hoiberg, the Iowa Connections, and they bring back probably one of the pre kind of one of maybe the, the, the strangest preseason darling players that we've seen, given how Kasei Tomonaga plays. But boy, he let the world on fire. Uh, he did. He second came half of conference to play last yeah. year. Yeah. Who else do they have back besides him? They have, let's see, they added, uh, well, they added, well, Aaron Ulis won't be playing because of his gambling no. situation. No. I was going to say, um, they added the big guy, uh, Mast, from Bradley. He's a kid that Iowa was in on uh, as well. Mast and, I believe, uh, Cricky. Those are kind of the two guys that Iowa was was trying to poach from the Missouri Valley. And mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Maybe Aaron Ulis is playing. I, 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 I should have probably known that before we started recording here. But uh, have we heard anything official? Have you heard anything official on his eligibility? I don't. I don't have any idea. No. Okay. So, but again, at least Mass, they bring back Tomonaga. And Fred has obviously got a reputation for, for understanding how to add guys that may be unsung heroes and, and, and throwing them into the mix quickly. Um, and they have shown flashes over the past two years at times. Of course, beat Iowa, right, in, in the season finale at home in, in Carver uh, last year and, and hurt Iowa's seeding in the Big Ten tournament. So it should be a fascinating Big Ten conference. I think you're going to maybe see more of a top-heavy league than normal. Now, maybe you're right, Wisconsin, or maybe in Indiana, uh, or maybe an Ohio State emerges, but I think you've got a clear top three right now in Purdue, Illinois, and Michigan State. And I'm curious, maybe final thoughts, and we can move on from, from the Big Ten Conference as a whole. What are your thoughts on Michigan? They obviously kind of took a step back last year. Jawan Howard situation's intriguing. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think there's a big question mark there. I, I, uh they lost Dickinson and yeah, no, I think, um, and they lost, you know, his son. So yeah, I don't know what they have coming back, but I would say they've, they've got work to do. 
I want to ask you about recruiting, Gary. I know this is a preseason show, so we're we're locked in. This is, we're actually recording this, uh, ironically enough, on November the first. And um, but I want to ask you about recruiting because the, the landscape has changed so much. We talked about it a year ago at this time, but it continues to evolve. NIL continues to dominate uh, the college football, especially the, the portal. It seems like primarily, and there's no there's no getting around this fact. Fran McCaffrey has struggled to land the big names in the transfer portal, but he's added good pieces. You think about a Philip Rebracha, uh, you think about obviously this year looks like Ben Crick. He's going to be a guy that they can rely on. Um, and they, so they've had some success at the mid major level. How would you attack if you were still coaching big 10 level basketball, how would you attack recruiting the off season portal NIL, all that? I don't know, Corey. I mean, it is so different and, I really don't have a grasp of what's what's going on. I, obviously, you've got to be really up to date on everything. Watch what's going on. You got to deal with um, ONIL and and where all that fits with in terms of what the player wants and is looking for. And uh, I, I I I it seems to be just unbelievable in terms of how you navigate all of that. I know I've talked to um, Dean Oliver, of course, who played at Iowa. I've, played golf with him a couple of times and he, he just says it's, it's nonstop. I mean, they, they played in the NIT last year. And as soon as that game ended, now they're into portal and, and trying to keep their own players. You, you, you don't know if they're going to leave and, and people are trying to get them to leave. And uh, it's, it's gotta be a huge headache. And then you want to get guys that are good for the program and you want to coach. So I empathize with them. I think it's a really, really tough job now to, to, um, to continue to, you know, work on your roster and, and uh, develop players. And, and uh, it's, it's a real challenge and it's, it, it's markedly different than when I, when I was coaching. So uh, I, I wish I could be, have a better answer, but um, I think you got to be in tune with what's going on. You got to be close to what's going on with your team. And, and uh you know, that's where you got to start. Who's, you know, hopefully everybody's coming back. Do you want to come back? And then how, where do you fill it in? And and then you throw in the the high school recruiting. It's it's a tough job right now. And I think it's going to drive some coaches out of the profession. I think they'll just say, this is enough. I don't, I don't want to deal with it anymore. And, uh, and that's kind of sad. One thing I hope fans realize, as unfortunate it maybe as the situation is, not only to fans and to players in some cases, not always – it's not always fair to the players and guys, you know, decide to stay loyal, but they've got, you know, new bodies all around them and their teammates are leaving for whatever reasons. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I think people fail to realize is that when there's money being offered and there's really no enforcement or cracking down, so to speak on what we would call tampering, which happens everywhere now. And, and there's no regulation of it. I just, I go back to as sad as it is, you can't blame a kid especially kids that are maybe from a poor background, but guys, you know, school's offering you half a million to go across the country and play somewhere warmer, Gary, what would you do in that situation? Well, and a lot of these guys aren't going to be playing after their college careers are over. Maybe maybe they'll go to Europe and make, you know, know, okay. You know, sometimes they can make real good money, but so here's their chance to, you know, to, to get their financial situation off the ground. No, it's hard to, coaches do it. I mean, coaches leave and correct and right. go for bigger money or different opportunities. So no, you can't, you can't fault them. Um, I know the kid, the kid at Wisconsin, Connor Siegen, who's a nice player. 
he had all kinds of programs after him trying to get him to leave. Um, and so, and he's not the only one and it's, it's, you know, it's, it's through every program. So you're, you got to deal with that, trying to keep your own players and you got to see, well, who's leaving, where does that fit? And you got the high school recruiting. It's, it's a real, it's a real challenge. Um, and a lot of programs now are now are hiring people just to do that, just to work the portal, work NIL, um, cause it's a full-time job that, uh, uh, that needs great attention because if you're if you're not up to snuff with all that, then you're gonna you know you're, it's gonna suffer. And NIL is playing such a big role, not only in basketball, football as well. There's you brought it up with Connor Seijin. I can tell you a, a number of Iowa football players, and and probably a lot more than than I know about, have had the same thing. You know, constantly getting offers uh, or text messages to parents or themselves or DMs, whatever the case. It's amazing, and there is this narrative out there that college is the dirtier of the two sports as it relates to the below the table stuff. I don't know if that's true or not, but I will say growing up, Gary, one of the things that endeared me to college athletics in general, especially college basketball that separated something. I like the NBA. Don't get me wrong. I big Mavs fan. They're three and O as we record the show, uh, Gary, but (laughs) the, the bottom line, the bottom line is one of the things that endeared me to the sport throughout my life was the fact that you can, you know, even for the average fan that doesn't know these players personally, you kind of endear yourselves to the players, grow relationships with the players. They're part of the university and you know you're going to have them four or five and in recent years, maybe even six uh, total seasons. Just settles right them seven or eight. <laughs> yeah, maybe <laughs> the decade mark. Um, but the bottom line is, Gary, now it's turned into very much what we see in the NBA where it's almost a free agency. It is. And we've talked, this is not news. We're not breaking any news to anybody, but has the game, has the sport been devalued in your mind? Um, I don't know about that. I, I think the sport is still really good and fun to watch. Uh, but I, I think, I think, I think college basketball as well as college football have got some real issues to deal with and it, it could suffer. I don't, I don't think there's any doubt. Um, it would, it would worry me. Uh, there's no, I mean, Hunter Dickinson leaves Michigan to go to Kansas strictly for, for the money and you can't blame them. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it's a real, it's a real headache right now. And the, and I don't see where it's going to change unless, you know, unless something somebody steps in and, and does something about it, but I don't know if that's going to happen. Yeah, we've, we've been saying that for a while. Yeah. Um, all right, let, let's, let's wrap this thing up with some predictions, Gary. I'm not going to put you on the spot and, and ask you what the record, the Iowa's big 10 record is. I will ask you this before I ask you for overall season and tournament projections. How many, given what you think the status of the Big Ten is going to be, how many Big Ten wins do you think a team needs to feel pretty good on Selection Sunday? Well, do you think, do you think it's eleven or twelve? Could be, yeah. I think it depends on. It's so early. I mean, as we mentioned earlier, there's only three teams in the Big Ten ranked in the top twenty-five. Two are in the top four, and then one's twenty-fifth. And so you would think that would hurt the league a little bit, but it's early. I mean, there's a lot of, for instance, Wisconsin's got, Wisconsin's got Marquette at home and has got Tennessee at home. They win those two games. They're going to be, they're going to be right up the rankings just like that. Now those are two challenges, but they're tough to beat at home. So it'll change. I I would say, yeah, I would, I'd say you better get 12, um, 11 or 12 with a 20 game season. I'd say that's probably where I'd start. Um, it might be a little less, it might be a little more, depending on how the league does. 
for the record, that uh, 25th ranked team did knock off the number one team in the country on Sunday in an exhibition. But I think both teams, I watched that game, both teams played hard. It felt, it didn't feel like an exhibition. I was, when I saw the score, I went, wow, that's, yeah. Because I had not seen anything about Illinois that, uh, I mean, I I saw they weren't ranked other than the the 25th. Um, So who's back? Is Shannon back for Illinois? Shannon's back. Yeah, he's, uh, Dane, a, he's a big time player. Yeah, he played really well. Danger's yeah. back. Uh, who I, he's kind of developed as well. Yeah. Uh, but but they're kind of like you. You brought up Ohio State. Maybe have underachieved a little bit with some of the talent mm-hmm. they've had. They've mm-hmm. had some certainly had some pro guys and haven't really made a run in March. And I know it's hard to to win in the NCAA tournament. Um, but I guess that kind of brings me kind of brings me to my my next question, Gary. Do you think this Iowa team is a an NCAA tournament contender? Well, I think the jury's still out now. I, I think there's some teams you could probably say, yeah, they're they're a lock or close to a lock. Um, I think I think Iowa's right on the bubble, so to speak, um, and that's that's okay. I mean, when you lose as many players as they've lost, that's that's understandable, and there's many young guys coming in. So, um, the good news playing in this league is you got a lot of opportunities to improve your resume. And I haven't looked at their non-conference schedule. Real close. I know they do play Creighton, and obviously that would be a huge win, but I don't have many on that schedule or games that can help them out. But um, they've got a chance. I think I think right now they're probably on the bubble looking in, but, um, you know, that can change in a hurry. Not the greatest non-conference schedule. I mean, they've Fran has done a nice job in certain years. I mean, he's always talked about building a non-conference schedule based on what he thinks – uh, sure. His team's going to look like, and I understand that to a point. They've got Creighton on the road. It's going to be a weird game, uh, Gary. They play at like nine thirty <laughs> at night over in well, Omaha. Over and, television or something, I guess. Well, yeah, it's a television. Uh, all this is television, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Actually, excuse me, nine o'clock, nine o'clock p.m. Central Time on a Tuesday on, on FS1. So that will be unique, a unique challenge. They'll get North Dakota, Alabama State first, and they get Arkansas State. Then they do all go out to it for the inaugural. Um, Raddy's Children's and Invitational. They'll get Oklahoma out there, and then they'll get either Seton Hall or USC. So it could potentially a couple of challenging games, but you don't have a lot of room for error. The only other power, or I should say big-time non-conference game, is at Iowa State, of course. And then you you know, you know, get North Florida, you get Florida A&M, UMBC, Northern Illinois. It's, it's not a lot. And, you know, the Creighton game is coming up here fast. We're Again, we're recording this on the first – uh, that game is on the 14th, so less than two weeks away. Yeah, that's right around the corner. Yeah, well, that's understandable with his with as many uh, new players as he's incorporating into the lineup and young and young players that are getting their first taste. You you don't want to overwhelm them too quick, uh, and yet you want to throw a few in there that'll let you find out a little bit about your team and kind of go from there. So that's understandable. I'm predicting that we may hear uh, one or two relax uh comments from you <laughs> on this year's show and I, say, yeah. I say that yeah, yeah we both understand that but i'll be quite honest uh i pride myself on being object try to be objective as possible and honest i am probably not quite as high on this team as you are i'm not saying that you are projecting them to win the conference but i think they're if i was to project the ncaa tournament field i'd probably have them um i didn't say well below the bubble but clearly off the bubble right now I just don't know. Again, I go back to rebounding defense. They've been able to overcome shortcomings in those regards with 
star a- players, not necessarily star athletes, but star players, whether it be Luca Garza, Chris Murray, Keegan Murray, this is the first time in a long time that they have not had a clear go-to guy. And like you said, maybe somebody emerges, but I just wonder, since they weren't able to add that athletic big, they weren't really able to do a whole lot defensively in the portal, at least not from my viewpoint, do they have enough scoring? It's probably going to come down to a freshman or two surprising us or somebody emerging um, that we didn't expect knocking down shots. And, you know, one thing I did think about on on Monday as I was watching the game, Gary, and you can tell me maybe I'm wrong on this. I know Fran has always been known to get up and down with his teams. He wants to get out and transition. I almost wonder, is this maybe a year where you got to really emphasize fast break offense? Like you don't want to get stuck in, in the half court very much because you don't have a guy you can fall back on late in a shot clock they ran a lot on on Quincy on Monday but is that something you could see Iowa playing even faster given the fact that Fran maybe has more depth just not a lot of proven top end guys that could be I mean they're they're always going to play they're always going to be fast but if you're going to be good you've got to be able to score in a half court too because they're going to be teams that are going to slow them down Um, and so you're you're you know, the best offensive teams can can do it in a lot of different ways in, in transition as well as in the half court. And that's what we got to watch and see as they develop um, is, is who are those players that are going to be able to to shine in those kind of situations. And, and that's kind of the beauty of watching early in the year. Just it's, um, you know, I would say I think they've gone into almost every year with some questions. And uh, I think the staff has done a good job of, of playing pretty pretty solid winning basketball and gotten into the tournament and won a lot of games and and so until that doesn't happen I I, I give them the benefit of the doubt um, this this might be the biggest challenge they've had with what they've lost and how young they are but um, it'll be fun to see I mean it's it's it's, uh, it's uh, there there could be some surprises there that'll uh, that'll uh, put them in a different light. Maybe I'm blowing this out of proportion, but I made the comment earlier in the week, Gary. If Fran gets this team to the tournament, I think it's his greatest coaching job of his time at Iowa. Um, I, I I don't know what you would say. I don't know. You know, that's maybe a cliche statement that people in the media make more often than from you as a former coach. But typically when you see you can kind of project a roster like this and, and make a statement like that, I, I just think that if they win, you know, 12 Big Ten Conference games, I'll be very surprised, pleasantly surprised, but very surprised um, because it's hard to win. It's been hard for Iowa to win more than 12 or 13 conference games with guys like Luca and guys like Keegan Murray. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see. I, I think it's going to take a lot of coaching and, you, you know, you get Matt Gaines back for a second year. I know, you know, see maybe his influence can maybe his three point prowess. I brought this up a year ago. Maybe he's helped a guy like Tony Perkins to be better with his shot. He didn't look great Monday from behind the arc, but uh, the three point shot's going to be important. We'll be uh, joined by coach Gary close throughout the season. Gary, appreciate you taking the time for another preseason show. Um, It's fun to have college basketball back. It came at the right time because the weather in central Iowa, we went from 70 and golfing to 40 and, Snow, snow pants. flurries. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, I know. snow it's, flurries and snow pants. It, it's here. Yeah, no, no doubt. It's uh, right around the corner. How are your Eagles looking? Uh, the Eagles have looked well. They're not playing quite as well as I would like, but uh, maybe they're just waiting to peak at the right time. They got a big one this, this Sunday night. This is Dallas week. It's a big week. 
big, big week in the NFC East. Uh, coach Gary Close, former Iowa coach and Wisconsin assistant coach Gary Close, will be joining me throughout the uh, year for Iowa postgame with Coach Gary Close. Gary, we look forward to a fun season, and uh, yeah. we'll talk next time. Sounds good, Carl. I look forward to it.